Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome you to church. We're so glad that you are here with us. We believe it is by design and it is divine that you are here worshiping us today. And we just want to say welcome. We want to welcome everybody in Summerall. We want to welcome everybody in Columbia. What's up, everybody online? God's got a word for us today. And I just want to say, man, last Sunday was an incredible Sunday for our church. We had more people back in service at all of our campuses than we have had since COVID. And then we had so many people watch online as well. And so I just want to thank everybody and excited about getting people back in church. And if you're watching online today, we're glad that you're watching online. We just glad that you're connecting with us however you are connecting. We are in a series called Simplify. And what we're saying is, I don't believe you got to live like everybody else lives. I believe you can live differently than everybody else. And we've been talking about how normal is not working. Normal is overspent. Normal is overcommitted. Normal is undisciplined. Normal is exhausted. Normal is burned out. Normal is, is moral failure. And I don't believe you got to live that way. The Bible says we don't have to live way down. It says that the race we run, we're to get rid of all that weight and remove all the sin that gets in our way. And we're to run the race free. And we're to run the race light. And over the past several weeks, this is week number three of the series, and over the last several weeks, we've talked about how chaotic our schedules get and how we can live simple and how complicated our relationships get. And those relationships can be very simple. And today we're going to talk about our finances and how it can be costly. But we believe there's a simple principles in God's Word that we can live by. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to pray with us. Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, for this moment. We pray that it would be uh, a time where you would take our heart and capture it for you. Lord, somebody listening here today that's just after more, 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 God would have a moment where it's all about you and you are enough. They are content. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Well, if you got a Bible, you can pull it out. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. Look at the person you sit next to. If you sit next to somebody and say, I am glad you made it to church today. I am glad you made it to church today. You know, we got a, most people have a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Do you have a lot of stuff? Most people's got a lot of stuff, and we carry that stuff with us. I know, guys, we carry that stuff in our pockets. You know, we got all kind of stuff in our pockets. I saw a redneck man the other day. He had more. St- he had a filing cabinet in his pocket. He had everything that you can need in, in his pocket right here. Now, uh, some some men uh, have have they call it a, a pouch that goes around them, a man pouch. Have y'all seen those? A man bag. I'm just going to say, if you're from the Springs Church and you've ever worn a man pouch at the end of this service, we ask you to turn your man card in and you lose it for 30 days. If you wear it twice, you lose it forever. We take all of your man points away. <laughs> and, and then the ladies, you've got your purse, right? And you keep all your stuff in your purse. Some of you ladies got enough stuff in your purse. We don't need to go to the hospital. We can just get, run to you. You got your lipstick. You got your eyeliner. 
Come on, you got your pistol because we in the south. Then you got your, your first aid kit. Then, then, you, then you've got like a tourniquet. And you've got all kinds of stuff in your purse. And then we get into our vehicles and there's more stuff in our vehicles. Like there's stuff on the floorboard, there's stuff in the glove compartment, there's stuff in the trunk, there's stuff everywhere. We just got a lot of stuff. Then, then that stuff goes out of our vehicle and it goes onto our carport, our garage. We've got like riding things on our carports. We've got old workout equipment, old furniture on our carport. We've got uh, old uh, clothing on our carport, all types. Our carport's so full that we can't pull our car under our carport because we got a lot of stuff. And then our houses are full of stuff. So what do we do when we have too much stuff? We go to somebody who's built a building to put your stuff in and we pay somebody monthly to carry, keep our stuff because we've got so much stinking stuff. We just got a lot of stuff. And, because, and I believe today that, that the word of God's got a lot to say about our stuff. Now, some of you are going to get a little testy because I'm talking about our stuff, but I believe our stuff is kind of reflective of our heart. When we begin to talk about our stuff, we begin to get into some personal things in our heart, and it begins to reveal some things about where we're at. And the Bible's very clear. And, and, and I want to share a story with you today that's kind of pointed, I got to admit, and it's kind of tough. But I believe that if we listen to it and we apply it to our life, it's going to make a big difference in our life. Now, Jesus, just to kind of set this story up, Jesus is ministering and he's in a crowd, and some guy in the back yells out, Hey, Jesus, tell my brother to divide my father's estate with me. In other words, they're having a little family issue. How many of you know there can be family issues when it comes to money? And they're, they're, and they're having a little family, and they want Jesus to take his side. And this is how Jesus responds. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says, then he said, Be, beware, guard yourself against any type of greed. Listen to this. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm and it produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have any room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. Then I'll have enough room to store all of my wheat and all of my stuff, my other goods, all my stuff, because I got too much stuff. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for many years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, this is the sobering part, you fool. It's never be good to be called a fool by God. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Isn't that a very sobering story? Let me just paint this picture for you. This guy, this farmer, he's had a good year. His business has grown. 
The crops have produced. The soil has been fertile. The harvest has been great. And his business has grown. His farm has grown to a place where he's got to expand. He's a growing business. He's got to expand. His facilities are no longer adequate to handle the size of what he is doing. And so he says to himself, what should I do? I am going to grow. I'm going to expand. I'm going to take my current facility, and I'm going to make a larger facility, and I'm going to grow this thing bigger. And he grows it bigger, and he stocks it up, and he's got all of this going. And the Bible says, you fool, you've done all this, but you you." Tonight, you are not going, you're gonna, your life's going to be required from you. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Is Jesus saying it's, it, that you shouldn't push forward and you shouldn't grow your business and you shouldn't, you shouldn't expand? Is that what Jesus is saying? Because a lot of people would say that. A lot of people preach a poverty gospel that all Christians should be poor and they should sell their homes and they should like live out of a bag or something. Is that what it's saying? Or is it saying that uh, it's a prosperity gospel that you know, we should have more? That's not it. The, the Bible, Jesus is talking about the heart because he's talking to a guy that had a heart problem about stuff and he's talking and he tells a story about a guy who's got a heart problem with his stuff that his whole life, his whole being was focused on his stuff. Everything about him, his worth, all of his value was found in his stuff. And the Bible says, Jesus says, you fool. You spent all of your time on all of this stuff, and now you're gone, and somebody else gets your stuff. What can we learn from that sobering story? I want to give you a couple of things. Don't turn me off. Hang with me. I know we're talking about some delicate things. Hang with me. The first thing I want to share with you that I've learned from this story is, and that we're going to simplify this, we're going to simplify it, is we need to get perspective. Okay? Get perspective. This guy, this farmer, this foolish farmer, was building all and getting all of this stuff, and he thought all of this stuff was his. He had gained all of these resources, and he says, look at what I have done. Look at my barns. Look at all the things I have done. He was fooled that all of this stuff was his. Let me tell you something this, this morning, that everything that you got belongs to God. Everything that you have belongs to the Lord. You may have more of it. You may have less of it. Doesn't matter. It all belongs to God. And in the end, it's all going to go back to God. Nobody gets to take anything with them. John D. Rockefeller was a very, very rich man. And when he died, a reporter went and talked to his secretary. And the, the reporter asked his secretary, how much... Did John Rockefeller leave when he died? How much money did he leave when he died? And the secretary looked at the reporter and said, all of it. He left all of it. He didn't take a single dime with him. It's impossible to take it with you. You can't write a check. You can't do it with credit card or bitcoins. You can't get it there. It's not going to be there. We love playing Monopoly in our house. How many of y'all enjoy playing Monopoly? We enjoy playing Monopoly. And it's a long game. How many of you know Monopoly is a long game? 
Even the kids' version is a long game. And my girls are at the age where they want to win. And I always go after Boardwalk and Park, Park Place. That's mine. I don't want little Oriental Avenue. I don't want Indiana Avenue. I want Boardwalk and Park Place. And I want to get me two little plastic hotels. And I want to put them on Boardwalk and Park Place. And so that way, when you hit that, the game is over. And, I, and so that's my goal every time. And so we play and we play and we play. Well, just imagine with me, we're playing Monopoly. Okay? And you win the game of Monopoly. You're the big winner. Ding, 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 ding. You've got all the $500 bills. That's you. You've got all of the money. When you win the game of Monopoly, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take all of your winnings. I want you to take all your little hotels. And I want you to put them in a little bag or a little wallet or something. And then I want you to get your sweetheart. And I want you to take her out to the nicest restaurant or him out to the nicest restaurant that you can find. And I want you to order an appetizer. And I want you to order a salad. And I want you to look at the price menu on the side. And I want you to get the most expensive thing on the menu. And then I want you to order dessert. And when the girl walks up there with this check, this big check, cha-ching, when she walks up there and says, here you go, I want you to get your little bag out. And I want you to pull your $500 bills out from your Monopoly winnings. I want you to put them on the little invoice and say, here you go, ma'am. Keep the change. How do you think she's going to respond? She's going to go, um, are you crazy? This is Monopoly money. It has no value. But I won the game. I beat everybody. I got more than everybody else. Everybody else lost. I won. But guess what? Monopoly money ain't worth nothing except for in the game of Monopoly. You get it in the real world, it isn't any good. You take, and that, as Monopoly money is in a restaurant, so is $100 bills in the kingdom of heaven. Are you hearing me? But I won, God. I got bigger barns than everybody. And God says, but they're no good here. Like, they're no good. <laughs> You remember the time when Jesus was asked about paying taxes? And they tried to trap him and they said, Jesus, should a man pay taxes? And they knew that if he said yes, that the people would be angry at him because they were being overtaxed. And if he said no, they would think he was leading a rebellion. And so he said, hey, give me a coin. Give me a coin. And he said, whose head is on this coin? And they said, Caesar's head. He says, then give that to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. In other words, it has absolutely no value in the kingdom of heaven. We need to get perspective. And all of this stuff, all of these things that we're worried about, none of it goes with us. We leave it all behind. The second thing is that, that I see in this passage of scripture, is we need to act our wage. We need to act our wage. Come on, somebody. This guy in this Bible, in this story, was all about consuming. All about consuming. We are called consumers because we consume things. I'm, I'm a firm believer, and I'm gonna say some things here and I'm gonna stand on them. I'm a firm believer that most people's problems isn't the amount of money that they make, it's the way they manage the money they make. They don't have a making problem, they have a managing problem. You can check my stats on this. Crown Financial Group put out a statistic that the average American family spends 116% of their income. How do you spend 116% of your income? 
That means, that means you spend money you ain't got. And most of us to buy things you don't need. We're, we're, I'm going I'm to do something I've never done from a sermon before. I'm fixing to cuss in my sermon. So brace yourself. It's going to be on the internet. It's going to go out to our campuses. I'm fixing to say a curse word in this sermon. Most people need to practice. Here it is. You ready? Self-control. Mm, that is dirty. Bad, I need to wash my mouth out with soap. Self-control? Here, let me, t- let me even drop another bomb on you. This is a dirty, dirty word. Some people need to not only practice self-control, they need to practice sacrifice. Oh, it's getting nasty up in here. <laughs> Why are those words so looked at so poorly? I believe it's because so many people doesn't have, don't have the lack of self-control. Look at what it says in Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. I love what Dave Ramsey says. Dave Ramsey says, live today like no one else so you can live tomorrow like no one else. Some of us need to say no today so we can say yes for the rest of our life. Managing what God has given us, being good stewards of what God has given us is essential is essential. Well, how does that break down? And ladies, y'all spend a little bit different than men do. I know that. Y'all, y'all got it on sale, and it's, you got the bracelets on sale, and the earrings were on clearance, and the shoes were 70% off, and you, you spent $70 and saved $50, and you, and, and, and you sink the ship with trinkets. You sink the financial ship with trinkets, okay? Men, we're different. We don't sink the ship, we buy the ship. Come on, somebody. What did you do today? Bought a ship. Just, well, you didn't discuss that with me. Just felt like I should buy a ship. Felt it in my soul. That's the way we spend, men, right? We're kind of emotional buyers, emotional spenders. And I'm telling you, if you are drowning in debt, if you are in over your head, you need to begin to watch the way you spend. $5 cups of coffee? Come on, somebody. $5 cups of coffee? Are you hearing me? Uh, and, and, and can't pay your cable bill, but you're buying $5 cups of coffee? Um, going to get my nails done every week? Can't pay the bills, but I'm getting my nails done every week? Come on, somebody. I'm treading on thin ice. So, God, would you bless me? God, would you bless me? I think this is what God would say to many people. I did bless you, but you spin it. Listen, our prayer may not be for God to bless us. Our prayer may need to be, God, help me to have self-control. There's nothing wrong with living below your means. There's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with buying used and, and wearing used. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to, I know this is not a great point, but I'm telling, <laughs> very, very comfortable, but I'm telling you, it's what some of us need to hear. The Bible says, you just allow me to preach for just a minute. The Bible says that a good man, a godly man, leaves an inheritance for his children. Are you leaving an inheritance for your children, or are you driving their inheritance? Are you leaving an inheritance for their children? Your children, are, are you wearing their inheritance? Listen, why is it that older, 
that the older generation lives less but has more. Why is that? Can we not learn from them? Can we not learn from them? Y'all ready to move on to the next point? It looks like you are. (laughs) The last thing I see in this story is we need to give faithfully. Give faithfully. This guy, imagine this story. Imagine this story this way. Guy does good. Crops do good. Expands his business. New things happening. Growing his business. All of this stuff. And then he dies. But he has written down, when I die, I want all of this to go to all of that. And so now his life isn't just about him and all of it rot, or somebody else gives it. Now it blesses everyone around. I believe that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. The Lord loves people who gives. I didn't expect to get an amen on that, but but I'm going to keep on going. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It doesn't say that receiving isn't a blessing. It says that that giving is a greater blessing than than receiving. I've never bought something that's really moved my heart. Gosh, that new television. I mean, it just, ooh. Man, those Jordans I got, man, that's awesome. I've never done, but I have given to someone and I can still remember to this day what it felt like when I gave. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I truly believe that the Lord blesses givers. I truly believe the Lord blesses tithers. We preach tithing in this church. Not ashamed to talk about money. Jesus, 15% of his uh, messages, he talked about tithing and the love of money and and, and, and giving. And we believe that the first 10%, not a 10%, but the first 10% of our money goes to the Lord. And the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, test me in this to see if I will not pour out heaven. And if more people would begin to trust the Lord in that, I believe we would see more people have a cheerful heart instead of a bitter heart. Well, I'll give when I can afford it. Well, you probably won't because statistics say that even when you get it, you don't. Even when you, the Lord is looking for people who are faithful with a little so he can bless them with a lot. Listen, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. This is the way we run this church. As you give, we minister. I don't have this great big scheme in my head of saying, okay, I'm going to build this and we're going to do this so we got to get people to give. That's not how we function. We function what the Lord provides. That's how we move forward. And if the Lord don't provide it, we don't move forward. I think that's the way the house of God should be set up. We don't do these financial campaigns where you got to commit to this and that. When the Lord provides, he'll guide we're going to move forward on that. But the Lord has to do it in your heart to, to what he wants you to give. And I just tell you this, uh, and we're, I'm gonna, we're facing to close this message, but God, the, those, for those of you who give to this church, we had a massive tornado come through here, probably, you know, back on Easter, the Easter tornadoes that come through. And we were standing out there in front of the church and everything was a wreck. Everything was crazy. 
and I got a phone call and they said, what can we do? What can we do? And I knew there was a couple things. People's gonna need some food. People's gonna need to eat. And immediately, we were able to go and provide resources the next day. It wasn't two weeks later when all of the organizations got in here. The next day, the local body of Christ stood up and we were able to write a check for thousands of dollars to bless this community with food, with resources, because we had margin, because we managed God's money well. And it's so important. So right now, in all of our messages, we've had a come to Jesus meeting. And I want us to have this come to Jesus meeting right now. I know you got a lot of stuff. And I know that stuff many times gets our heart. But we need to come to Jesus with that stuff. And it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, come to me all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, are you trusting in stuff or are we trusting in the Lord? Are we trusting in stuff? Are we trusting in the Lord? Let me just talk to you for a minute. So we close this message. I know we kind of been. Okay. I need you to know you have that the Lord is our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is all that we need. You know, my kids, when they wake up in the morning, they don't, they don't go, well, boy, I, I really need to, I hope the refrigerator's full. You know what they, they do? They wake up expecting the refrigerator to be full because I make sure there's stuff in the refrigerator. When they want juice, guess what? There's juice in the Never once has they, have they said, you know, I better go out and get some juice because they trust the Father to provide the juice for them. If they want it, they call for me. Hey, now they're big enough to go get it and they have the authority because they trust the Father. And I pray that we'll be able to trust in the Lord for all that he has for us. You know, the richest people in the world aren't the ones who have the most. The richest people in the world are the people who need the least. May I not spend my life trying to obtain more of what doesn't matter so that at the end of my road, I've got all of this stuff, but none of it matters. Every year I go, every year we usually go to Honduras. Man, I tell you, I'd live there if I could. And I think, I think the thing that just gets me so much is well, every year I go there, I walk into one of these little houses that's got, that got dirt floors and adobe oven and they don't have a refrigerator and they don't have running water and they don't have any of this stuff and it's just like a bed on the floor and that's their house and I feel sorry for them. My heart breaks. I'm like, here I am, Superman. I've got all these resources. I'm fixing to provide for these people. Our church is fixing to reach out. We're going to save these people. We're going to... In about two days, we're like, we're pouring. I'm thinking, we need to do this. We need to do that. And about that second day, something shifts in my heart and I look at a kid who's not on an iPad, but he's got a stick and a rock and he's laughing. 
outside running with another kid. And then I noticed they sit down for a meal and it ain't much, but they enjoy it. And they enjoy relationships. And when you're in front of them, it's just, and I see a peace. And before I leave there, every time, every time before I leave there, I go, man, they're rich. And I'm poor. Because they've got what matters. And I'm lacking. And I pray that I'd live my life for more of what matters. And I'm going to ask you right now, if you would, to bow your head with me. Close your eyes. What are we living for? Are we living for stuff, more stuff? Or are we living for the kingdom of God? I pray that the Lord would do a work in my heart, in your heart. We would change and we would begin to see God is greater than our stuff. Right now in this place, I want to pray over you. Father, I pray that, Lord, anything that's got our heart, any stuff that's got our heart, I pray we could relinquish that to you. Father, you would take our heart and you'd bless it and multiply it. Lord, I pray, Lord, I'm not preaching against having stuff, having good things. I'm just preaching against that stuff having us. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we could put you first in our life. If you're listening to this right now, or you're in this room right now, or you're watching this right now, I pray that you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior. If you don't know the Lord Jesus is your Savior right now, I want to offer him to you. And you say, Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart. Tell him that right now. Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart. I ask you to make me new. I ask you to save me. I put my trust in the cross of Calvary. And I trust you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe you prayed that prayer today. I believe that you knew. I believe that you're born again. We'd love for you to contact us. Reach out to your campus pastor and let him know. Now join us for worship.